Welcome to My Best Eleven podcast. Today we are joined and we are actually paying homage, I suppose, to, in my opinion, and Miles' opinion, just I think after Liverpool, um, the greatest club in the world, Luton Town. Today we are joined by a man who has seen thir- over 1,300 matches in his time. Um, and now he does what, he, what every boy dreams of if they can't become a player. They dream about talking to meeting players. So we are here and we are joined by Simon Pitts. How are you, Simon? Very well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for that introduction. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we'll get, we're going to dive a bit more into um, your history and, and things like that, as well as going through your best 11 players you've ever seen um, who played for the club. We are, as ever, joined by my co-host, Marv. How are you, Marvin? Good. How are you, Simon? I mean, this is going to be... Um... An interesting one, shall we say, episode, because it's the first real one, really, that, that we, I mean, normally we research and we dive dive into, okay, he's been at this club, this club, that club, but with the, the odd celebrity one, as we call it, um, guess this is going to be a bit of a... Um, a hit and a miss, maybe, if if I don't get their ear right. Ooh. That's it. I've got plenty to choose from. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've tried to freshen it up a little bit, gone a little bit out there with one or two choices. So uh, not to make it too easy to guess and perhaps to give a few more names to have a chat about as well. Fantastic. So, um, obviously, we we actually, when Marvin and I were speaking about this, we kind of, um, we, we said how what type of caveat or what type of principle does, does Simon pick this on? So... And we gave you kind of open slather, but you you kind of set some rules in place rather than picking a player who you once had a, once had a loan signing that was an absolute brilliant player. So just talk us through how you've picked your best 11. So, yeah, it was a difficult task. I mean, as, as many people out there know, I like my stats. So the first thing I did was set up a spreadsheet to um, put together all the matches I'd been to against all the players, therefore who'd appeared in those games. So in competitive matches... Um, there was 452 players for me to start with. So that goes back from 1983 when I saw my first game. However, I didn't see massive amount of games in the 80s. I wasn't living locally, so uh, it was just the odd game here and there. Um, saw a few games in the uh, mid-90s before going to university when I was able to up the total. So the majority of my matches have been um, after leaving university when I started at the club in January 98 onwards. So um, the first thing to say on this is one of the criteria I set myself is that I'd had to have physically seen the players play. Um, and I, I decided I looked at it a number of games and in the end I went with 40 games. Um, there's one reason because one player just slips in because of that. Um, so <laughs> that you might think, why on earth 40? Why not 30? Why not 25? But I thought it also gives me a good sort of basis for having seen a player enough to be able to class them as being, a, a, you know, a, in the best 11. Yes. Um, so first of all, straight off, that rules out all of those excellent players that we had in the 80s. I just didn't see them live um, to be able to be put in my best 11. So, you know, we, when we go through the those that narrowly missed out, um, there are some that made the appearances that would have counted, but there's an awful lot um, looking at the likes of Les Seeley, Andy Dibble, Mal Donaghy, Steve Foster, David Moss, Ricky Hill, Kingsley Black, David Priest, Scott Oakes, Paul Walsh, Brian Steen, Mick Harford, all the favourites that, you know, I know your guests in the past that that is their era will have picked. Um, they miss out because of this criteria that I'm setting myself. 
to try and just, as I say, freshen it up a little bit, give you one or two other different players to talk about um, and to review as well. Um, I then added in um, that I wanted to, football's very much about results, obviously, but it's also about the memories. Um, yep. And following Luton Town is a roller coaster. It has been since 83 and surviving and, you know, staying in the top flight to being relegated, to going down to non-league, to coming back up again to where we are now, cup victories in there, you know, League Cup wins, Johnston Paint Trophy wins and the like. So for me, there's some very special memories um, through that those years that I've been following the club. Um, so one or two players, it may be, well, they're not necessarily the best player in that position, but they've given me a very special memory. They've given the fans a very special memory. And that's why I've picked them um, in my best 11, because to me, it's, it's about the memories of following Luton Town as much as it is those performances and those players. Fantastic. There's a nice mixture in there, hopefully. Sounds great. Sounds great. So what we're going to do is we're going to delve straight in um, okay. and find out, first of all, your formation. What formation have you gone with? So uh, I've gone with a flat back four. Um, so four defenders. Uh, I've then got a midfield four as well. Um, when you see the players, you'll see there's a little bit of flexibility. Uh, I've gone with one up front and then I've got a number 10. I've got an attacking midfielder really um and again that's because of who i wanted almost to shoehorn into the team without disrupting the rest so um more will come out when you when you start to see the players as to exactly how i've done it but i have to say even when i got it down to 137 players that had made 40 appearances i've still spent weeks and days fiddling around with formations with players oh I've got to put him in I've got to put no I can't get him in if I've got him in and I even made a very late change recently that will come up shortly um so you know that it was very difficult very difficult although he hasn't got a hundred odd players to pick from now you know what it's like for Jonesy to you know what I mean when you when you've got a squad of players and to be putting those players in a position to as Maybe not. Obviously, he's doing it to win the game. You're going to do your favourite. It's still very difficult. Indeed. And, you know, there's, there's several players in here that we'll look at who I've left out that uh, I've been very fortunate enough to get to know as well over the years. You know, in the role that I've had at the club, you get to know certain players and there's one or two that are just brilliant people to know. Um, but I've tried not to show favouritism. Um, so those people that do know me well, and uh, I hope you're not too disappointed if you've not been selected. Um, but, uh, you know, you have given me great memories and we'll touch on those as we go through each position. Definitely. Definitely. So we'll jump in straight to goalkeeper then. This, this is a nice, easy start for you. Excellent. Are we okay. good? So guesses, as ever, those people haven't yeah. listened to the podcast, try and give us guesses. And I'm assuming, as you're known as, I think on Twitter, you're Simon Stato Pitts. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some statistics in here. Um, so a couple of guesses. And then once you've gone through the main player, you can give some um, like we've always done, give some honourable mentions to, to people who you think need to be mentioned. Yeah, there's there's a couple of honourable mentions on here, but th this one was a dead easy choice for me. Um, out of the 12 goalkeepers that fit the criteria, um, this free transfer is certainly one of the best free transfers we've had. Um, I I really can't give too much more because it it's somebody that I've seen play more than any other goalkeeper in the time that I've been watching. Um, Andrew? I'm going to, no, 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 I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to sell myself too early. Um, free transfer from 
Of what division now. was it? Give us a division so, of what club. Not so, what club, the division. The, uh, what I'll say now is they're in the same division as us now. Oh. But they weren't at the time. I think I might. Is he? No. Was it from Peterborough? Yes. Oh, of course. Do you know what? I forgot Peterborough now in our league. That's what threw me. I was kind of, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Go on then. You got it? So, yeah, and he's now, is he coach or assistant manager at Peterborough? Is that right? Yeah, he's goalkeeping coach, yeah. Fantastic. So, Mark Tyler. Indeed. Um, 279, uh, sorry, 297 appearances for Luton. Joined us, um, you know, in the non-league. Made his debut against AFC Wimbledon in our first match in the non-league. Um, the goalkeeper that I've seen more than the next three all added together, appearance-wise. So, uh, a dead straightforward choice for me, that one. Um, particular memories from that. I mean, he's got more clean sheets than any other Luton Town goalkeeper. Um, uh, remember the penalty save against Wrexham in the playoff semi-final that, you know, we'd been 3-0 up both, um, in the previous game. They scored um, early in the match. He then saved the penalty. It could have easily been 3-2 so early in the game in that second leg, and he saved that. Um, memories of the clean sheet at Norwich against his boyhood club. Um, and Mark is also someone that I got to know well as well at the club. And, you know, just one of those players that was so genuine, so easy to talk to, so interview. He was always very much, uh, well, it's my job. You know, he's just played an outstanding match. He's made great saves and in an interview, just go, that's what I'm paid for. You know, that's my job. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was the, I say the proverbial first name on the team sheet because it was the goalkeeper position, but it was also one that, uh, yeah, was a fairly straightforward choice for me. Honourable mentions, anyone who, would, who might have come close to him? Um, in yeah, time? a couple from um, the 90s. Um, Ian Foyer, obviously a great American keeper, you know, really tall, real character, um, you know, in the times when we were trying to go back up in the mid-late mid 90s. Kelvin Davis, also another young player, um, youth team, came through the youth ranks, um, both with over 100 appearances for the club. I'd seen them. Um, 40 and 50 odd times each um, so those two were you know they were there but Mark was always the number one and I mean even now our goalkeepers you know Simon Sluger to have an international keeper on the books um, you know made some vital saves to keep us in the championship um, after a, a difficult start to the, his time at Luton but certainly shining through now obviously James Shea just keeping him out of the squad more recently but yeah you know on, honourable mentions for those three but you know, there wasn't too many keepers to choose from. And when you'd seen Mark play for what was seven years nearly, then uh, that took up a, a big chunk of it. What about, so go, going back, Sam, what, what, why Luton? What, why support Luton? What was, what, where is it? Where's that come from? And who was the first goalkeeper you saw back when you saw your first game? So uh, the reason for Luton is through my dad, thankfully. So I have dad to be um, very grateful to. Um, he was brought up near Hitchin um, as a young boy and decided to follow Luton um, when he was a kid. Uh, I was mad keen on football when I was growing up. We lived in Suffolk at the time. So this was the one that always gets people. I was born in Dorset and lived in Suffolk for most of my life. So the question always is, well, why Luton? Um, but yeah, that, that's the reason was through dad. Um, and uh, yeah, just followed in his footsteps and gone on. He still goes to games, season ticket holder um, still now. So uh yeah, through 80, him. 83, what did you say? Was that your first game you saw? 1983, yeah. December 83, we beat West Brom 2-0. Um, Les Seeley was in goal in those days. So, right. 
And where do, where do you like to, I mean, being around the ground, where do you like to sit? Where, where is your favourite place in the, in, the, in the stadium to sit? Not to, not to sit, well, maybe to commentate and also to, to watch. So I did mix a lot, actually. When I was a fan, you know, I'd been to a lot of games before I was, um, was commentating. So I used to mix around. So I've sat in both the Kenilworth Road and behind the goal. I've sat in, excuse me, an enclosure in the main stand. Um, I can't really, I mean, it was, it was great because Luton, Kenilworth Road is so close and you've got, you know, the pitch so close. When you're growing up and you're watching football like that, um, it was fantastic. And the atmosphere um, is always good. Um, so I don't think I particularly had a favourite, as a fan, favourite position. As I say, I used to mix around and change, but being behind the goal is great when you score because you're, you're seeing it really close but then you're not seeing as much at the other end. Being halfway line, you've sort of got a, a mixture. Um, more often than not, we'd go in the enclosure, either, either side of the halfway line, um, you know, when I was getting tickets for, before. And then commentating, uh, I mean, I loved the view up on the TV gantry, but um, boy, could it get a bit nippy and a bit wet up there at times. So being down in the uh, the press box certainly does have its advantages uh, for uh, for the during the game, yeah. And have you now switched uh, round to the other side? Do you sit no, I'm, I'm down still, the side or are you still up top? No, I'm still I'm down in the press box now. Um, so since the we got back into the Football League, um, it was around that time where we had to provide ISDN access to visiting clubs. So the line that was up on the TV gantry wasn't um, suitable, obviously, for visiting commentators to go up as well. So, yeah, we moved down into the press box at, at that point. Well, I still remember people watching people climb up that. <laughs> yeah. It was. Have yeah, you ever been up there, Marv? No, I mean, I, when I when I helped out, I mean, when I mean Simon Oxley was doing commentating mm-hmm. and stuff, then um, he's in a press box, which was. I mean, I felt that. I mean, that's a great view, um, great position. I mean, you see most things from that position. So no, I don't know if I would have like ventured that high up. Should I have been asked to go mm-hmm. as high as that? Fabulous. Fabulous. Right. So we'll keep going on your best eleven. Um, you've seen so we'll go right back so right back this one again was um probably a fairly straightforward um decision um again this was my undisclosed transfer um so money wise i've not spent a lot of money on my team There's, there's several that have come through the ranks um there's a few free transfers this this one was an undisclosed um transfer again from a team that are currently in our league although uh, I don't think we were at the time. Um, So scored five goals, 95 appearances for the club. I saw every one of those matches in a two-year spell. Not sure I want to give too much more away on that one. Okay. Was he also an international? No. Okay. That's where I was going, my brain as well. (laughs) I was thinking Preston. No, no, no. That's why I wanted to rule him out straight away. Was he English? English? Yes. It's like a game of guess who. No, <laughs> it's just flicking the things um, down. Did he wear a hat? He's, um, he's still still playing. He's still playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. In our league. Oh, okay. Um Go on in, Andrew. Did he just have actually was he was he really well received last a, a, a week ago? Well, I don't know when it's going to go out. A few weeks ago, when he came back for the the cow the Caldini winner game. Yes, yes. Is, on, it, is it Jack Stacy? Indeed, it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. this one was uh, another one where, you know, you looked at the players that I've seen in that position. Um, I, I've put him, as I say, at, at a right back in the back four, but clearly, you know, the wing back role was, was Jack's role. Um, the two years that he was with us, the promotions, you know, it's, he was, uh, yeah, it was uh, almost a straightforward um, choice on that one. I mean, some notable other ones, I mean, you're going back a few years, but, you know, Emerson Boyce and Kevin Foley in that position, two youngsters that have come through. Um, but I just felt that, you know, Jack has, uh, he, I, I looked at it, what he's done at Luton, but the fact that he progressed now to then be able to go into the Premier League um, with Bournemouth as well, that, you know, that's a factor knocking on. But, you know, his, his performances for Luton in those two years, um, you know, certainly one of the best attacking right back, right wing backs that uh, I've seen. Yeah. And also, I think it's interesting for, for Stacey, not kind of going off onto somebody else in cases later, but it's quite interesting about how he he actually kept, everybody's raving about James Justin, but he actually yeah. kept James Justin out of that right back role. And Justin actually had to flip to left back just to get in the team, didn't he? So yeah. I think that needs to be something that, that he said, because everyone's raving about Justin, but yet Jack Stacey was that good. Um, yeah. And that over the overlaps and, and and that type of thing worked so well, particularly in, well, Nathan Jones' first first time, then then Mick taking over. It worked amazingly, amazingly. Um, yeah. I mean, do you know what happened when he got to Bournemouth? I know he got injured, so he wasn't always in the team. Um, was it? Do you think, obviously, you, you've probably spoken to him since, was it too big a jump? No, I don't think they, I don't think the jump was too much. I think it's just, you know, there's a lot of adapting, isn't there? When you change clubs, he has gone up another level. The injury, of course, didn't help. So I think with something like that, when you, you're performing so well, you you have got to have everything go your way when you move to a new club and, you know, you're moving up a level again. You think, you know, he started with us down in League Two, didn't he? And has yeah. worked his way right up to Premier League level. So um, I don't think he's any worse a player for it. Um, whether the and I, I've not seen a, a lot of his performances at Bournemouth when as to whether their style of play was different that he didn't have such an attacking role he didn't have somebody like Andrew Shinney to link up with in the same way that you know those two were you know telepathic at times weren't they with the passing that you know if there, if there was a goal scored that involved Stacey chances are Shinney was involved in it somewhere along the lines as well um, so, you know, it's those kind of things, doesn't it, that, that do make a difference for a, a player at one particular club? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and like you said, he's an attacking wing back or he ended up yeah. playing effectively as a wing back, even though he's still right back. Is it something that you, you look for and enjoy watching? Is that attacking? You say you, you sit in the enclosure and obviously the press box. Is it nice to see that bombing on on that wing? Is that something you like to see? Absolutely. I mean, the, the formations that we've seen, uh, particularly under Nathan Jones in recent years, obviously like the diamond, he's going with three at the back more often now and the two wing backs, you know, just to see that attacking football down the wings. And, you know, the, some of the players that we've had over the years, we'll touch on a few when we come to the left side as well. And when I look at right side of midfield, you know, the midfield positions, those opportunities that you've got to create chances um, down the wing and the, the attacking flow in football um, yeah, it, it's lovely to see. And, you know, Luton have always been renowned for playing good football and, and that's an aspect of it. Yeah, and I think it's actually an area that the club's been renowned for is full-backs and wing I mean, I, you think about um, some big transfers we've sold and players who we've actually bought through, mm. Marv included. Um, obviously, you can, well, you could play centre-back or also on the left as well. I no, think I it's mean... something that we've done as a club very well at doing. I mean, just listening to you guys talk, yeah, I think it's 
something which has been, a, it's, a, it's a culture now with Luton that, I mean, we play. I mean, I mean that, that's always, I mean, that's always from, from when I obviously joined as a kid, it was a case where um, you played. Um, the Obviously the yellow team down the road, I mean, you, they're more direct. I mean, they're, you call them a lot, they're associated with the long ball game because of obviously Graham Taylor, um, Mr. Pleat obviously was a foot like he wanted to play football. And I think that's what gets associated with the club. And I mean, and it's always been the way where we've had fantastic um, fullbacks and like um, Simon mentioned, he's mentioned Kevin Foley and some boys and you can mention like go all the way back to Tim Breaker, um, yeah. Basher, um, Kirk Stevens, you mean Rob Johnson, they're, they're all footballers. I mean, then you, you wouldn't associate them with a, like a, a, a long ball or kicking around or a bruiser. I mean, every single one of those were, were tough, but at the same time, they could play. Definitely, definitely. So we'll move to left back. Okay, so left back then uh, came through the ranks. Um, only played from debut to last game, three years between them, but it's 114 appearances, six goals. Again, a player that's still playing. In the Premiership? Indeed. Yeah, I think I've mentioned him a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be coy and in my no, question. That's why I didn't mention him too much. So you've gone yeah. you've gone for um James Justin. James Justin at left back. Yeah. If you if you can't get him in at right back, because as you said, Jack Stacey right. kept him out of the team, then this was a tougher call. I mean, there are a couple of um noticeable um there worthy mentions because you know, James Justin, he made his debut from memory on uh, in the left-back position against Villa, um, you know, at the beginning of that season after playing, coming off the bench for the extra game the season before, the end of the season before. Um, and as you say, because he was being kept out at right-back, he did actually play left-back um, quite a few times. So I've put him in there. Um, but, you know, you've got the likes, Matthew Taylor. Um, you know, I saw him over 100 times back in 99 through to 2002. And, you know, he was another cracking attacking left back, left wing back, left midfielder, great shot on him. Um, you know, another one that came up through the ranks. Um, but then when I looked at his uh, goals ratio and um, he sort of nearly snuck in on that because he, he had scored 17 goals from 146 appearances. But wow. I just felt, you know, James Justin, the way that he's again gone on for his career, you know, potential England international. Well, he is an England international. You know, it's the injury ruled him ruled him right. out potentially of the Euros, didn't it? Um, so yeah, just felt that uh, he, you know, he deserved that place. If you've got Jack Stacey on one side, you've got to have James Justin on the other. Um, for you know, the best wing back players together, I think that the club have had together at the same time um, for a long time. Yeah, I think it makes it difficult for oppositions if you've got two quite often teams are lopsided and and i think that's just natural um you always see him play down one side or the other but it's it's good to see that which one do you think james's best position is though oh i think right the right left? back is the the right back was certainly where you expected him to be if you hadn't got jack stacy in the side but equally he was dependent at left back um and when i looked at the stats uh just having a look i can tell you the uh the difference between his left back and right back. Um, and it was, it's almost a 50, 50 split. In fact, okay. he played at left back more than he did right back. But his output was the same from what you can yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, it shows that he was so dependable. And that and that's the other reason that he's in the team. When you're looking at players, utility players that can fill more than one role, don't you? You know, I'm, I'm looking at this as a competitive fixture and therefore, should anything happen, uh, he can fill a gap if required. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, a, and, a, and it's nice to see you got a young, young Luton scholar um, in there as well. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous. So um, before we get on to centre-backs, you've mentioned, or we mentioned earlier on, um, over 1,300 matches. Um, have you, do you find it difficult to remember all those games? I know you said you've got a big spreadsheet, but when you're kind yeah. of put on the spot, how do you go with remembering that many stats? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time I do rely on the spreadsheet for, for stats or if they're a bit different or out there. Um, there are occasions where games just click and you remember exactly what happened. There's other times where somebody can ask me a game about a game this season and I couldn't name the goal scorers. You know, I'll tell you the result, I'll tell you what happened. But it, it's, sometimes it's the more modern stuff that you struggle with because although it's fresher, it, the, you're not talked about it as much necessarily. Whereas in historical, you, I obviously I worked on a book a few years back and you're going through things then and you're reliving the past and that brings back memories. There's certain games that obviously always stick in the memory more than others. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do rely on the stats an awful lot and you start looking at games and you think, I went to that game, but I don't really remember it. And then randomly, I, I remember when we went to Sheffield United at the weekend, I'd only been once before back in the nineties when I was at university, but I could remember going there when one side was flat, they hadn't got a stand there I could remember having to follow the team coach to the ground when we came off the motorway because I'd written the wrong directions down on the paper because no sat-nav or phones with Google Maps or anything in them days. You, I wrote the, the directions out of the programme and wrote the wrong one out. So it's things like that, that albeit so many years ago, it, that sort of triggers in the memory. Um, but yeah, there's other games that are also equally forgettable for one reason or another as well. Yes, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask you that. To put you on the spot, rather than asking the, the most memorable favorite game, which game still churns you as a fan? Uh York City at Wembley. Very quick, easy response. Yeah. And I reckon most Luton, most Luton fans would say the same, but what's your obviously because we had a number of chances to go to go up, but why the York game rather than say um we'll say the Wimbledon game or something like that? Well, the- the, the Wimbledon game, I mean, those two equally disappointing um, from 96-97, the game at home to Crew um, in the playoff semi-final where we got it back and thought we were going to go through and then um, conceded again. Um, so the, the York one, I think, because of the issue over the, the goal, um, you know, VAR these days would have ruled that out. The assistant ref should have seen it. So you feel hurt and hard done by that that particular decision cost us in the game. The Man City one so close you know um walker could have been a jason walker could have been a hero with a header that just comes off the outside of the bar and then does a stupid penalty that's one of the ones that's missed so uh, off the post sorry is header uh, another day that's a fraction in and you're celebrating and we're up but i think longer term when you look back on it the club has progressed probably better having gone up when we did and how the team spirit and the the fans and everything had been built back up than perhaps if we'd have gone up earlier, albeit we wanted to get out of that league as quickly as possible. Um, the frustration and the disappointment from those two finals. I remember going, um, you know, walking away from both Wembley and um, City, Manchester City Stadium, just absolutely gutted and down. And let's say the same with the crew playoff game. 
Um, you know, they're the ones where it, it's the missed chances, isn't it? It's the missed opportunities. Um, yeah. So no, it would be. Marv, same question to you. Which one for you as a player was the most frustrating or disappointing game that you can remember planning? Yeah, probably similar to the Simon's, the, the crew game. Um, the we, we, I mean, I've spoke about it before. We went obviously to crew in the first leg and um, it was, I think it was 2-1. Yeah, two, one, two one, I think we yeah. two one. I mean, I mean, I didn't play the first game. I'm not saying that that that's the reason why, but we had a lot of injuries and a lot of suspensions. I think um, I I got back for the second game, and again we got up. We was I mean we, we got the goal back, and then I think we went two 0 up, and we were like mm. up now in control at home, obviously. And I think that season, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we might have beaten them six at home, six or nil. something like yeah. that. Six nil at home as well. So yeah. I mean, you, I mean, we would be confident, you know. I mean, that season we were very confident in every game we played, and so that's probably the most disappointing game um, because obviously it was a it was a playoff game, and also what we had or what we had achieved that season, we were very much in control, probably right up until the last third of the season in the league, where we just suffered like result wise, our form was poor. I think going into that as well. Does that make a difference in playoffs going into it form, or do you treat it as a player as something different? I think naturally, I mean, as a player, I mean, I mean, being involved in that one again, I mean, I think if, if I don't know what the, you can ask Simon the stats, I mean, like teams that get, you mean, have that momentum and just get into that sixth place or whatever, and into that last week of the season, I think they're the most dangerous teams you can you can end up playing because, like I said, it's it's their form, your form. If you've got someone who's been up at the top and leading the league and then all of a sudden like the last four or five games they get a bit nervous and they drop into the player that I think I mean the stats would be interesting to know how many of those teams have got promoted who have been that way in front and dropped into the playoffs right without getting automatic promotion it would be interesting to see those stats because mm. of course 96-97 is the disappointment where we thought you know we we're trying to go for automatic promotion and we lost it right at the end of the season didn't we with you know, um, Stockport, wasn't it, that uh, won in the midweek with their game in hand that meant the final game of the season was meaningless, Um, you know, another season and we're up without the need of the play. It, we'll get we'll get on to positives a little bit later. Sorry to sorry to bring it down on, <laughs> on it. <laughs> so we'll move across to, well, move to centre-backs, whichever one, well, one and the other. So two choices, right. What This was one of the, one was straight in, not a problem. The other was the last minute change. Was there was one or two noticeable, not, notable ones to uh, review. Um, so let, let's give you the one that's again another youth player through the ranks. Uh, made his debut in a cup competition. Played his last game in a cup competition. Did he? Uh, did he? Did he go to a Midlands club? No. Oh, wow. not Curtis Davis. And it's not, no. and it's not, and it's not Leon Barnett. <laughs> oh yeah, no. of course. I forgot about that. And Leon Barnett was West Brom. Yeah, that was a good, good question, Mark. <laughs> so, the clue that I could add to this is I only saw just over a third of this player's appearances. They didn't score many goals, but there's two of them that are very memorable for me that put them into this position. Did they? Are they a one club man? Yes. <laughs> Did they? Is one of the? Is one of the? Gone, Mark. Gone. I was going to say, is it? Was it a Simod Cup game? They made their debut. Made their debut. Yeah. 
And it's one of the most memorable goals you can remember, apart from, uh, is one of them, the Ipswich game. Yes. <laughs> can you guess it, Marv? Well, if it is in Barry, I don't like saying myself. I mean, you didn't have no. to do that, Simon. I mean, again, listen, it's your team. But at the end of the yeah. day, I mean... I, on, as Andrew. I said, though, you know, one of the things for me is memories. And um, your goal against Ipswich, Marv, I lived in Suffolk at the time. Loads of people I knew were Ipswich fans. The One of the best games that I've seen as well, because, you know, it shows Luton's fighting spirit that night. Uh, we were 2-1 down from the first leg. We were 3-1 down at half time um, from memory in the second leg they'd scored. Uh, we came back, we got it to um, level and then Steve Davis scored and scored their own yeah. goal. goal. Um, They're going we're going yeah. out. It's late in extra time. It's under the floodlights at Kenilworth Road, late in the game, and you've popped up with the winner. And just enjoying that moment, you know, was just incredible. Um, so, you know, that that was very – that's one of the goals that I will always remember for, for my personal enjoyment in Suffolk um, with all the Ipswich fans that thought they were going to knock us out. Um, and then also before that, you, um, uh, sorry, uh, after that, your goal against – Hartlepool that I know was featured by the club and I know is your personal favourite goal because of the team goal but that's also one of the earliest bits of my commentary that actually still exists. Um, I think that was possibly the first season where I was commentating to an audience in the TVs around the ground and some of the videos got kept and were used for the end of season highlights so you know that goal I know when the club put it out back along I thought wow you know I'd only been commentating for a couple of years and chances are that was about the first season that it was on tape for uh, historical and prosperity. So, yeah, it, it wasn't just because you're hosting Marv. It, it, you honestly <laughs> were in, in there because, as I said at the beginning, I, I wanted to pick players that have done something that's given me special memories from watching over all my times. And, and certainly that night was, was one of the classics. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, oh, sorry, Andrew, uh, those, yeah. I mean, that game as well, I mean, for me, obviously, is a, not just because obviously um, scoring the, the winner, but like those games back then where it's like home and home and away, two-legged things. I, we, I mean, I love, I mean, I, that's something I really miss from today's game. I know a lot of it's to do with money and fixtures and stuff, but there's, they still should have those games where it's like home and away because like you said, you, we, we had lost the, I mean, the first leg and then, come back to Kenilworth Road, 3-1 down, they score first. And, I mean, we get a goal back, um, Stuart Douglas, just after half-time, then Andrew Foyardis, mm. and, and it's like, mm. whoa, game on sort of thing. And then it's got the, the the twist and turn of, like, we then go, Steve scores a great header, great header from a corner, and then, like, scores an own goal. And you're going out now, and all, and it's like, you're in extra time, the last minute of mm. extra time. This is now two hours of football on the night, and it was like, Richard Wright in goal, I mean, and then you had like um, Kieran Dyer playing that name. You had that Tariko for we went to Tottenham. They had some good players playing in their time, in their team. And so, like you said, the fighting spirit, um, uh, cup night at Kenilworth Road, you couldn't beat those nights. And that for me was, I mean, the best. I mean, I love the, I love the, the, the night games more so than the day games, especially the cup games. And I think just from that being that occasion and us like, getting through over the two legs was fantastic. Yeah, great, great memories. So, yeah, in, in there on merit, Marv. Congratulations, <laughs> Marvin. So we move to the next one. So this was the one that took a little bit of arming and in and who do I put alongside? What 
I looked at the players and, and there are notable mentions in there and I was trying to pick why this player should go in. And I Are I you going you, standalone I, or are you going for complimenting Marv? Uh standalone. Yep. Okay. Um and this one came down there. This one came down to memories as well, actually. So both centre backs are, are picked on merit as well as you know, not good players as well, but also for the memories. And when I looked at all of the options that I'd got in there, every single one had got a good reason for being in there for a very special memory. Um, so I'll go through the notable ones when we when you've right. um, guessed who it is because. If I go through the notable ones, I think you're, you're limited then as to who I've got left. But this one, um, another free transfer, um, only played, only scored three goals, played less than 50 games. Um, but there is a memory that stands out that they are in that position. Free transfer. Do you remember more for goals scored or defensive ability? Uh, generally, they would be at this moment in time remembered for a goal scored. You got it? I reckon so. Go on, then. Go on, then. No, go on, no, then. I'm. I'm uh... Well, give, well, give, 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 give it, say to Simon about another club he played for, then who you're thinking of. That I think help. he, I think he, also if he played, played that, I don't believe he played this few games, though, unless it was because he was injured or Where else not, did he, he, play, doesn't, he doesn't look like your orthodox professional footballer. Andrew, you're like a politician. No, give no, me no, a this club. Give no, me another club. I give don't know another club you play for. I'm not. I'm problem. not sure you've got it on that, Andrew. Actually, no, then. you you know who I was getting at there. No, but I. Say oh, sorry. Say yes, yes, he is on the notable list. He doesn't look thinking, like an orthodox. I was going. For you were Steve thinking McNulty. of Steve McNulty. Yes, I was going yeah, for McNulty so, for the memorable goal, the volley he scored. Right. He was he was penciled in at one point. And then was rubbed out. But yeah, the, that goal against Southport has had over 337,000 views on YouTube with my commentary on it. So, you know, that to go, well, his goal goes viral, but obviously my commentary is over the top. And, you know, that goal is special. But yeah, he he got nudged out. Um, okay. By this but, free yeah, now you, know now you know why I couldn't know who he's, who, I know he's still playing, is he? Or is he just retired? <laughs> He's just yeah, he's gone as a manager somewhere, I think, or assistant manager somewhere. Probably hasn't he? somewhere yeah. up near Southport Way or somewhere like yeah. that. I imagine. Fleet, was that Fleetwood when he was that Fleetwood? I think it was at Fleetwood. Yeah. Did he not play? Yeah. Um, How many clubs has he played for? Yeah. Oh, well, there's been a few. Okay. A few. I was gonna. I mean, he, did he, he, did he play for? Did, did he ever play for Stevenage? No. He almost didn't make the cut because I almost had one other criteria. Um, so I, I didn't bring this criteria in because I, I was going to, and then I haven't. And because of what's happened, he's nudged his way in. And the clue I get, it's, it's been mentioned already. We, he's we, been we mentioned. have touched on this player and the game he's that I'm referring I'm going to go. Is he now, and I think I've got this player right, is he now working at Everton? No. Jeez. Oh, so he's not. So he didn't go Burnley to us back to no, because that was money. No. So it can't be yeah, Steve Davis because that was cash. Yeah, he was he a went, free transfer. He said he's a free transfer. Yes, free transfer. Yep. This is be a real centre back. May not have always been his position, of course. No, that's what I'm thinking. Um, in fact, it wasn't always his position. He's played in several different positions at Luton. Have you gone? Did he used to play at Wigan? Yes. 
<laughs> have you gone for the most recent memory possible as to why he's yes. in the team? Has he played 50 games? Is he played over 40 games now, or is he the person who's just over? No, he's 48 games. Wow. In 12 who months. Yeah. Uh Cal Naismith. Yeah. In 12 months, is it? I can't believe he's played that many games. So yeah, he, I, I wasn't gonna pick current players. That that was gonna be one of my criteria right. because of obviously right. the squad are playing still. But that goal against Bournemouth, I'd, I'd penciled in. I mean, just to go through some of the other notable ones. I mean, I'd look through the, the two on the list. Steve McNulty um, for the goal against Southport. Um, George Pilkington um, yeah. for the goal against Oxford and that night. And just generally, you know, for his length of time at the club. Um, other ones, Curtis Davis, I think we've mentioned in talking about young players. Chris Coyne. Um, uh, again, both of those because they scored goals against Wrexham when we won the League One title. You know, that was a fantastic day to be there when that happened. Um, Alan Sheehan was another one that was in on my list, um, captain for the two promotions, you know, and obviously now back as a coach. Um, so, and Marcus Heikinen was another one that I'd looked at, you know, yeah. the Finnish international um, because of his performances when he was at the club. But yeah, I, I literally, that that's one of the positions where I've probably taken the longest and swap, and actually swapped a couple of times. But yeah, as soon as Caldini scored the other day, it was, yeah, scrub out who I'd got in. He's got he's got to go in there somewhere. <laughs> that, that memory, um, you know, so late in the game. Yes, it's a fresh memory, but, it, you know, it, it was one of those that brought the roof off again. And, you know, it's, his performances, his utility, as I discussed earlier, picking players that can play in more than one position as well. So, you know, he's got the option there in the team. Um, but yeah, that goal against Bournemouth, just just incredible. Yeah. And obviously myself, Goran, myself and Marv aren't there because we're thousands and thousands of miles away. Um, yeah. What, um, my old man was there, my sister was there and they described it to me, but what was it like in the ground when he scored that goal? How big was the eruption? Because obviously you can see the video. There's a video from outside the ground. I think somebody took it yeah. from outside Kenilworth. Was it in us on a scale of kind of um, Mars Wrexham in terms of noise? Mars Wrexham, Berkovich's hull, Keith Keane's direct from a corner. Yeah. Is it was it up there? In, or it's, it's is he go to Moncur, Moncur, Portsmouth? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely in there. Um, you know, and and I think this one, you know, the Berkovich goal you talk about Hull, that was because we needed to beat them two teams vying for the top spot. And that was the only goal of the game. So it obviously, you know, that was huge. And that was quite late in the game as well, from memory. Um, the Monker one, of course, late free kick against Portsmouth, you know, meant a lot because of what we were going for at the time. But I think the added thing with this one was the frustration from the disallowed goal, albeit he was offside, the whole way that that happened just felt wrong. Yeah. Um, the fact that we'd been 2-0 up and looking really good in the first half to them coming back, their top of the table, you know, to then get it back. And again, we talked about team spirit earlier in, the, in this podcast and to that just totally epitomises what Luton Town are about, um, have been in the past and aren't, are at the moment, that we kept going and we were the team that wanted to win the game. And just that bit of skill, you know, it wasn't luck, it wasn't fluke. It wasn't undeserved. It was totally, thoroughly deserved. And just the finish um, to stick Lerma on his backside and sliding off into, you know, hitching. I think somebody said he was he was going to end up in the way he went. Um, and then to curl it in the only place that he could put it around Jack Stacey's body, you know, away from the keeper. 
just yeah just absolutely fantastic and yeah the atmosphere was incredible absolutely fantastic no i was going to say um i mean like andrew said we're, we're thousands of miles away and i mean i do obviously taking the odd game on as it, as, i mean and the games i've seen him he's been i mean so calm so mm. like composed on the ball which i've loved um, and seen like for especially for um a defender um who can do his job but on top of that i mean in this day and age you, you mean you have to be mm. like reasonably comfortable on the ball now and so it's been i mean has he been that consistent um yeah. simon throughout every single game what you've you've been watching yeah, once he'd settled into the club, um, you know, I think there was a few fans that doubted why we'd got him when he first came in. But, you know, he was thrown straight into the deep end when he, he came to travel down to Bournemouth the day after or the day he signed for the club and was involved in that. And then he, it just took a little time to settle in. Um, but once he's made the position his own, you know, he's he's been comfortable in several positions, whether it's in the back three in the centre backs or whether it's then moving into that holding midfield role. Um, when we change to a back four, as we have done on a couple of occasions, it just seems so settled. And, you know, you talk about utility player in the past, he's played in the number 10 and an attacking role. Um, and with shots like he did against Bournemouth, you can understand exactly why. And some people said, well, he's wasted at centre back. But, you know, really is a quality player and, um, you know, a cracking free transfer. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause it there. And then when, um, and then when we come back, we will hear the rest of Simon Pitt's My Best Eleven. Welcome back to the second part of my best 11. I'll go back through Simon's team in a sec, but what I'm going to do is hand straight over to Marv for Marv's modified 60 seconds for Simon Hits. Over to you, Marv. Okay, quick fire questions then, Simon, just whatever comes to your mind. Um, Bundesliga, La Liga or Syria for quality? Uh, go Bundesliga. VAR or no VAR? Improved VAR. <laughs> um, favorite Luton manager? Oh, uh, Nathan Jones. Favorite away stadium? Uh, with Luton or without? Without. So I have actually visited the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, okay. and I think that that as for, to watch a match that has been an, that was an unreal experience. Okay. Penalty shootout or golden goal? Penalty shootout. Um, fish and chips, pasta, or pie and chips? Pie and chips. Luton to win the FA Cup or Championship playoffs? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's not a quick answer. Oh, Christ. No, it's not. It's not, um, but it's a difficult Both. <laughs> no, see, no, I didn't, I didn't say promotion, championship playoffs or Luton yeah. win oh, the, the playoffs. Cup. The playoffs is something else. Yeah. Oh, geez. I get slaughtered whichever one I go for on that. that. To which one? Sitting on the fence. Club? Sorry, you're and? breaking up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Oh, Messi. Still doing it. Yes. Um, most memorable game you've commentated on? Uh, again, I can't pick between two. Oxford right. in the conference and Norwich in the FA Cup. Okay, one um, more off. Last one. Yep. My favourite Luton player this season. Oh, crikey. Um, as in who I think has been the best player this season? At the moment, yeah. At the moment now. As we see, yeah, yeah as, I, as in 
I think we mentioned him. I think Cal Naismith has been the Cal most Luke. reliable and the most, yeah, I think, you know. Consistent. Okay. Fabulous. Fabulous. So you mentioned Bundesliga. Have you ever, ever had a chance to commentate abroad? Obviously, Luton never been abroad in terms of European competitions and stuff like that, mm. um, unless you count the Anglo-Italian Cup. Um, mm. have, have you ever had a chance to go abroad and do it? No. No, I've, um, I mean, Wales is obviously our nearest European adventure at the moment. So, uh, yes, Swansea and Cardiff and Newport and Wrexham and uh, Chester, as it was, which part of the grounds in England, parts in Wales. But no, that, that's the, uh, the nearest I've got to a European adventure. OK. Uh, have you ever, uh, have you been hunting for that or are you loving the Luton gig because you're a Luton fan? And it's Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, it, it's as people say to, to me about the interest in the, the it, it's a hobby for me, really. Um, you know, I enjoy it. It's something away from the daytime job. It's as a Luton fan, it's it's what I want to do. I'm I'm not one that's been career focused on trying to get a gig doing um, TV broadcasting or radio broadcasting that isn't Luton because I would miss Luton too much. So, yeah, it's 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 a hobby rather than an income for, you know, relying on a, a career. Oh, that's, that's really, really interesting. So um, what brought you down the down the career path? I mean, you mentioned you went to uni and, and things like that. Is it something that you've always had an eye on, uh, even though you say it's a hobby? Um, yeah. What what kind of brought it around as a rather than going from just a hobby to actually going on the on the game itself? So it all started, I mean, when I was at university, I did university radio um, and I did their sports show on a Saturday afternoon when I wasn't at Luton game. So um, I was at Loughborough and was traveling, was able to travel down to some home games and obviously sometimes other commitments meant I couldn't. So I did a sports show and I enjoy, I just enjoyed doing the radio broadcast. It's the first time I'd done anything like that, you know, and, and enjoyed it. Then when I left university, I did some hospital radio work um, back in Suffolk where I was living at the time. And then um, happened to go to a game, I think it was in about November, December time in 97, having left university. And in the programme, there was an advert that they wanted a um, volunteer commentator for partially sighted fans. So a system that they just introduced where partially sighted fans could have a unit, an earpiece, and they just needed somebody to do the commentary. And I replied to that um, and, yeah, did the first one in... Um, January 98 in fact the anniversary is today when we're recording this which is quite coincidental so 4-1 defeat unfortunately but you know and and that 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 was my stepping stone um, literally hit lucky that it'd been to a game seen it in a program replied and and got the gig so to speak and um, it's just sort of you know one door open has opened another and I've just been so so grateful for all the opportunities and the experiences that you know that has led to TV work for promoting the club, you know, doing Anglia regional TV shows, the highlights to, um, you know, hosting events for the club and the supporters trust and, and, you know, I follow and, and everything that has come with it since. So yeah, just so, so grateful for the opportunity. Okay. What about Simon, the player, um, school, um, university, college, where, I mean, what, what, where did you play? What position? So funnily enough, I, I played in quite a few positions, Marv. Um, so out and out, I end, I ended, well, I suppose I really football for me finished around the age of 10, 11, um, when I had to start wearing glasses. Um, so in those days in the mid eighties, late eighties, you know, there wasn't contact lenses or sports glasses, but um, during primary school and when I was a, I was a cub um, played for the cub team. Um, and then it was middle school. I was playing for the middle school. Um, but then, as I say, that sort of died down as I started to need to wear glasses 
um, more regularly in, in sort of, I suppose, no, actually, it's probably older. It's probably about 12, 13. So it was when I went to upper school. Um, by then, of course, much a bigger pool to choose from as you get older and the players get better. Um, and yeah, I wasn't as good a player at 13, 14 as I had been at sort of 8, 9, 10 when I was banging the goals in. But yeah, I was a, a centre forward when I finished playing for the Cubs, but I'd also played as a goalkeeper um, as right. well. So. Well, yeah, you know, I was going to say, if I had a guess, I was going to say goalkeeper. I don't know why. I was going to say yeah. goalkeeper. I was going to say yeah, goalkeeper that. Goalkeeper in my younger days and then moved up, up front. And the final year for the Cubs, I remember I was the league's top scorer. I always remember that. We won the league and cup double. Um, so with my with my Cub group. But yeah, went went to middle school and played for the middle school um, a few times. And then, uh, yeah, as I say, by the time I'd left middle school and gone to upper school, having to wear glasses and then being in a, an environment where the players were were much better um, as they mixed in. And I seem to recall when we first had the football trials, very quickly the, the PE teacher at the time splits into two teams, the probables and the possibles. Um, and I played in that match and then he sort of took one team. It was quite clear those were the players he was going to stick with and just sort of lost a little bit of interest after that, that you you couldn't get a look in at that point. Um, and, you know, it just... Um, yeah, and then a few, I had a little knee injury around that age, growing pains, as they say. So, you know, that sort of curtailed it more. So, yeah, I've not really kicked a ball in anger for a lot of years. Oh, interesting. It's interesting. So so um, what we can do is we're going to get back to your um, best 11. So far, we've got Mark Tyler, Jack Stacey, James Justin, Marv and Cal Naismith. So you've gone for four in midfield. So um, do you want to start on the wings or in the middle? I uh, can do whichever you'd prefer me to do. We'll start we'll off in the middle. We'll start off, start in, off in the middle. So uh, we've got two uh, midfielders who played similar era. Um, they One was a came through the rank and one was the only other player that I've spent money on. Um, one is my captain and the other we have touched on uh, in discussions about a uh, particular game yep you got them both marv no so is it is is the one that you spent money on the captain yes should be fairly straightforward i'll write them down you go marv um the other one came for the ranks oh which one are you going go for the captain first i'll go for the captain one first go for the captain one first yeah the captain one how much did you say it was money wise Uh, 25k yeah from Wig, I'm going to say Wigan, Wigan. Wigan, yeah, Wigan, yeah, yeah. Was that started off at Charlton as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Like to like to light fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Nico, Nico, Nico. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was he like to interview? Was he, or did you always know he's gonna just gonna say something crazy, or was he was he funny? Was he to interview? Yeah, or I, he, I mean, I, I remember one game. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's Altrincham or Kidderminster away. I can't remember which it was, but it was a time when we'd got, um, I think, Alan Nielsen as caretaker manager and we'd won. And I was due to, I was, uh, it was with Diverse FM at the time. And we were interviewed, we always interviewed a player um, sort of live after the game. And this particular game, Nico wanted everybody out of the changing rooms um, and they were all lined up waiting to be interviewed one after another. And it was like, what do I do here? You know, and it was just, that was his character. And yeah, he was great to interview. I did. I'm just trying to, I don't recall because he was, that was obviously the second time round from yeah. memory um, because obviously he'd come to us originally um, in 2001, didn't he under Joe Kinnear and, you know, looking at 
the promotion then. And then he came back again um, from Leeds, didn't he? So, yeah, this was second time round when we were in non-league and that was just a classic. And then I think it was a naked Ryan Charles came racing out of the um, dressing room because he was being chased by Nico. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a picture on one of the Luton fanzines with this tower wrapped around Ryan Charles and me trying to do an interview on the pitch. And it was just brilliant. Um, so, yeah, real character. I got to know him um, as well. We um, So, yeah, he was, you know, great qualities as a captain, real team leader, you know, real, real character, wasn't he? And Marv's got far more stories than I've got about him. But, uh, yeah, just felt in that midfield you needed somebody with a bit of bite, a bit of grit and determination, you know, that loved the club. You think of his, you know, header in the JPT final, um, just threw his body at it to stop it going in. You know, it was a bullet shot. And he's not cared about whether it's going to hurt or not. He's just got stuck in and headed it away. Um, so yeah, that you need that in midfield. And, and I think at times, sometimes we've we've lacked that um, at some time in some squads that we've had the the real leader like him. And um, you know, perhaps some of his off the pitch uh, misdemeanors might not be uh, quite so welcome in this day and age. But uh, yeah, certainly a, a great character to have at the club, and was always good to talk to. And 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 you know, gave up time with uh, part of an email group. Um, that sponsored um, players' shirts and that. And Nico would sometimes speak to me after the game on behalf of me representing uh, Woosh, um, the uh, the email supporters group. And, um, you know, that was always appreciated. Yeah, fantastic. Also, I think, Simon, uh, norm- normally you, you, you have players, um, special um, central midfield players who are like, ultra ultra just tough and just destroy things and then they'd be mm. technically very good nico was had the blend of both i mean yeah. I, I don't I, I don't think his footballing side of things got recognized as much as it should have done because like i mean i witnessed it obviously being at the club with him and seeing him in training and just i mean his his range of passing short and long i mean and his and his tenacity like you said he was a winner and i think that yeah. was one of the main things which stands out with nico um he wore his heart on his sleeve and once he crossed that white line, I mean, he would be definitely one player who would be definitely who I would want on my team because like when the going gets tough, Nico would be get, Nico would get going sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Fantastic. So that's Kevin Nichols and next to Kevin Nichols is a youth team player. Yeah. Came through you got the this Andrew, haven't you, you said? I think I have, yeah. Centre midfielder. Made his debut in November 2003. And I think he's... I have in, oh, <laughs> is who I think it is. No, I have in my head a really memorable game at West Brom. Yes, he did score there. Yeah, in two thousand and I'm gonna say six or seven. It was in one of those two years. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm losing my. That was over fifteen years ago. And then he went to Preston. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Andrew. He's got the same initials. Both his first name and his second name are the same initials. Yeah, we've touched on the game that. He scored um, direct from a corner. Yeah. Oh, Keith Keane. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't not put Keane now in. I mean, I every on the anniversary of that goal in February every year, I always tweet Keane and say thank you for that goal because I, that is what really rocketed um, the commentary on Diverse FM and my, um, you know, the audio that fans were hearing because it got put on YouTube. And again, that went viral at the time. And, you know, that, that goal just summed up again the spirit of the team one nil down against Oxford who were top of the league George Pilkington scores in injury time and then Keith Keane goes and scores the winner and you know that that particularly that game in that February was just you know just absolutely push diverse 
um, you know, through the roof with their commentary. And, you know, I was so grateful to them for the opportunity that, you know, in the, when we went into non-league, I was covering for them home and away. Um, and, you know, with the support just built and built and built through that season. And then when that goal went in and that went viral, that, you know, just shot up then and, you know, loads of people talking about diverse FM and, and my commentary. So, you know, for Keith Keane to score that. It, and as a fan, I, you know, I just went nuts anyway. And it was one of those, I say to people, I'm just a fan with a microphone. Um, so you get the passion like thousands of others in Kenilworth Road um, when that goal goes in, um, albeit I was the one that had got the mic and that's what goes out over the airwaves. So mm. um, you ever get you know, told to rein it in the passion? Um, I mean, not not now. Um, no, not not ever on Diverse FM. Um, so I think there were times when um, we, we did a joint um, with the BBC for a while. Um, and I think that came as a bit of a shock that somebody would celebrate a goal like that, because obviously with them, they're not used to um, they, they cover lots of teams and have to show perhaps a little bit of, you know, not quite so much passion and uh, exuberance. Um, with goals. So I think that there was a little bit of a shock there that somebody come along and was celebrating like a mad fan in the press box. But, um, you know, that it's the thing is, it is what it is. I, I am a fan, you know, yeah. I, that, that's my priority. And the commentary, as I said earlier, was a, a hobby that I thoroughly enjoy doing. So I am going to celebrate a goal um, and not necessarily come out with the best commentator's words ever or the best description of what's just happened because I'm currently going nuts because we've just scored the winner in injury time like Cal Naismith, like um, Keith Keane. And you literally say what comes out of your mouth at that time thinking, well, you know, it, I think the Cal Naismith one was just a yes, yes, yes being repeated. And, um, you know, Keno's ones, I said something along the line, it was all gone quiet over there at the Oxford end. And, you know, it, it's, it's the spur of the moment. You can't script it. You know, it, right. it has to be naturally. It's what comes out. Um, and you know, you, you can look back and think, oh, I could have done that so much better, but you know, it, and I know it's not for everyone. I know not everybody enjoys my commentary and I get occasional messages on Twitter that point that out, but you know, it, you can't script it. You can prep for the team, the players, things like that, but it's live football. Um, what comes out of your mouth, you may sit back and think, oh, I could have said that better, or I didn't really explain that, but you're involved in it. You're passionate. You, you get into the grips of the game. Um, and, you know, you've got to try and put that across to those that aren't watching. I mean, obviously, when it was radio only, you know, nobody can see what you're seeing. So you've got to be descriptive and you've got to be um, saying what you see. But now there's a mixture, obviously, with the eye follow on overseas um, as well. Then, you know, people can see it. So you've pra there's a difference between radio and TV commentary. I've actually got to try and do both at the moment because some of our list are listening only and some are viewing. Um, so you've got to try and get that happy medium. But at the end of the day, I'm a passionate fan. I'm going to be down when we lose. I'm going to be up when we win. Um, you know, and uh, as I say, sometimes it is just a shriek of its in or a yes, and that's it, you know. Well, we've all heard the Spanish commentary, so you could always just yes. be shouting goal. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So we'll move to the wingers or midfit left, right midfielders, whichever yeah. one you want to do. Um, we'll start off on the right. But it's, are we going wing? Are we calling them wingers, or we call to give us a clue? Are we calling so, them wingers or midfielders? Is this, is Again, this, this the one? The one we weren't we were not going to get. This, no, is this the yet. one? Okay, okay. no, no. These two, these two, there'll be clues enough that you should be able to pick up on. Um, so the first one is another free transfer. Um, he scored in twenty four games, and we only lost one of them. Um, could play either position on the right. So 
We haven't mentioned him as the right back, but he could have played there. And in fact, his shirt number at times would have indicated he was a right back. Um, he, yeah, I'll leave it at that for the moment. Yep. Andrew's got it. Andrew's got it. Go on, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. I can't remember where he got him from. I've got Walsall in my head, but I don't know if it was. Or is he tied to Walsall somehow? I've got Walsall he in my head. come from Walsall. Did he play for Walsall? He might have done, actually. I'm just trying to remember on that. Not too... I think... I, was, I've I, got, I might be wrong. I, I think what, I've got the player. I may have the club. What other clubs, what other clubs did he play for, Andrew? Uh, do you keep asking me these questions? I can't remember this type of thing. It's up past six in the morning. You, oh, my gosh. Um, no, just say him then. Just say, just say his name. Go on. He scored... Um, I used to love him. He used to. He I did. reckon he split the fan base 50-50. Oh, not with not in the end, but during right. the games, he used to yeah. annoy as many people as they did love him. But he did play for Walsall. I can confirm that. There you go. You're right, then, Andrew. Go on, Andrew. Did he score the winner in the Johnson's Paint Trophy? He certainly did. Yeah, Claude Napka. I love Claude. I yeah. loved Claude. Yeah, but I reckon he annoyed as many people. I used to sit because I used to sit in the Kenilworth all the time. And I reckon so many people used to get frustrated with him. How many more step overs? Just put the ball in. He thought he was yeah. Carlos Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Edwards used to do it and used to cream everybody with it. Whereas he used to go with Claude. At what stage are you going to put the ball in? Come on. But yeah, I can't believe. So you're saying statistically, every time he scored bar one, yeah. we were undefeated. So not necessarily one, but we were undefeated. Yeah, he scored 31, uh, sorry, 27 goals, but they were in 24 matches because he got a hat-trick in one game. And yeah, he's, of the 24 games, we only lost one of them. Wow. And of course, he scored Johnson's Johnson yeah. played trophy, that lob. Yeah. Mm. And I, that was a game that I was there as a fan. Although I was doing home commentary for the club at the time, I didn't start with Diverse until that summer. So I was in the Wembley seats as a fan there. And I just think, what an okay if I'd have been commentating on that, that would have literally capped it off as being um, the best game to commentate. But to be there as a fan, I could enjoy it, uh, you know, in the same way with thousands, 40 odd thousand others in and around me. So, yeah, incredible day. And, you know, that he was just a character. He was a great bloke. Um, and yeah, that that goal um, for the for the final just you know, had to, had to have him in the team, really. Yes. Were you at that I game? Went, I went to the game as well. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. As, a, as a fan on that day as mm. well, yeah. Yeah, it was a great, great occasion um, for the club. And I mean, like I said, a good, I mean, great goal for Claude to mm. get because, I mean, looking at, looking at it as it, as it was developing, it, it looked like he was never going to get there. And then he's all of a sudden, like, the last couple of strides, he's got there. And I think yeah. the defender was waiting for the goalkeeper to come out and the goalkeeper himself come out and he's got there in the lob and it's like forever in the air, yeah. thinking, is it going to go down, come down? Yes. And then it was yeah. like, yeah, you said, yeah. crazy. Yes, fantastic. And, and oh, oh, great player. Like you said, great player, great man. And very funny man as well, those people who um, who got a chance to meet him. Yeah. So we've got Claude on the right midfield. Indeed. Any yeah. honourable mentions? Um, yeah, so actually, I mean, we'll do, what I'll do is I'll go through all the honourable mentions because I've done midfield as a, a general. As so. a group? All right, we'll go okay. through yeah. afterwards. Okay, so, so we'll go we'll through the left the side left. and then I'll go through honourable mentions. Yep. So left side's another youth team player. Um, played, uh, well, made his debut in 2008. Oh. Jeez, I'd left. Okay. Um, I could have had him in another position. He was penciled in at uh, another position. Um, youngest player to reach 
a landmark number of appearances. I won't say what landmark because that probably gives it away. Did he? Oh my gosh, my mind's gone. He's still playing, but at a non-league level now. Right. So he, was he from Hemel? Yeah, Hempstead, and he left on a free transfer, didn't he? Um, did he go on? left a while ago? I mean, well, should it I mean? I mean, again. Trying to help Andrew, should have really was a was a quite a, a fixture in the in the team for a number of seasons, a couple of seasons, and was and played. Did he play for the England like something C England C team? Yeah, yeah C team. Yeah. What year did he come? His, his debut was two thousand and eight, but he was eight. come through. Yeah, I'd, the youth. I'd gone. I think I had I had I had him in the youth team for a couple mm. of seasons. Final game was in 2016. Oh, this is embarrassing. What this is. Played a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah, you need to just have a mind blank. 334, <laughs> scored 31 goals. He's the player that I've seen the most number of games by one. I'm just going to kick himself. I don't know. Where we're in the, I, mean... I will kick myself. Go on. He, he's, he's, Jake. he was the youngest player to reach. Oh, Jake the... House. Jake House, yeah. Do you know what? I. I forgot he played on a left midfield. Yeah. No, because he played everywhere. And I remember him as yeah. centre midfield, especially when we went down to the conference. He played central mid, didn't he, for quite a while? Did he? Yeah. He, as, again, another versatile player. Very um, versatile, yeah. Left back played over 100 appearances. <laughs> left wing played just slightly more. Also played, you know, in the mid centre of midfield as well. So, you know, again, a, a good utility player. Oh, um, very good. Yeah. Just for the number of appearances, as I say, he's he's the player that has made one more appearance, or I've seen one more match than one of the notable um, absentees from the midfield, Peli Rudakampanzu, um, who you know very nearly squeezed in there because you know an incredible run to go from non-league to conference um, with the club. But Jake's versatility at left back or left midfield, and as I say, the fact that. Uh, he was the youngest player to reach 300 appearances for the club. I remember interviewing him after the Plymouth game when he did that. And, um, you know, yeah, it was just, he, he just took that position being able to play on the left. Very much so. So honourable mentions, who have you gone Honourable mentions. So a couple that missed out purely on my criteria of um, not having seen them play enough games. Um, another skipper could have easily been Brian Horton. Um, I almost squeezed him in because he was the goal, my first ever goal scorer. So back the in West, December, the West Brom game for the West Brom game. So, yeah, but I only saw him play twice. So, um, you know, he, he's an honourable mention because of that memory. Um, Jean-Louis Valois, what a player he was. Um, he definitely would have hit 40 games. No, 34. <laughs> 34. So, wow. 34. How many of those yeah. were in summer and how many of those were in winter? Yeah, well, he, he, played from, <laughs> he played from September 2001. That debut against Torquay was just stunning. Um, you know, and he played that season, incredible talent. Um, so, yeah, deserves an honourable mention, but as I say, didn't fit the criteria. Um, other midfielders, again, a, a lot because of memory. So, Matthew Spring scoring the goal um, down the road against Marv's yellow team, um, you know, as he refers to them. Um, you know, that that was a cracking memory, but then having pulled on a yellow shirt, just struggled to put him in my team for that. Um, <laughs> Amek Berkovic, we mentioned the Croatian sensation, the overhead kicks that he scored, the goal against Hull. Um, other midfielders around the eras, um, Alex Lawless, 
um, the Wolves goal that then meant we played Norwich, um, two goals against Nuneaton that sort of re-kick-started him back into the squad uh, and the games. And I'd actually had Stuart Fleetwood commentating with me that day and he'd asked to commentate because he'd been suspended. So to watch the game with a, a current player and for Alex to score twice. And Alex, is, again, is another great bloke. Other midfielders, Ollie Lee, goal from inside his own half, of course. The goal at Carlisle that gave us promotion. Cameron McGeehan, um, he, he had the dubious pleasure of commentating with me once when I was wearing a onesie um, to raise money for charity. So I think he deserves a mention purely for sitting next to me for 90 minutes as, as much as what a brilliant player he was on the pitch and, you know, the great runs and goals he scored. Um, you touched on George Moncur's free kick against um, Portsmouth, you know, a real highlight um, for me there. Um, to commentate on that one and obviously scored against Oxford when we won the league as well. Um, Jonathan Smith, um, what a yeah. player, you know, ever dependable. And the fact that he returned from injury and a year to the day later scored a goal um, fr from breaking his leg, um, you know, just really showed the spirit that, you know, he, he got a never give up attitude, a real quality player. Um, and again, another great bloke to know and to speak to. Um, you know, so I thought, you know, he's 176 appearances for the club, you know, it's a good number um, of, of great performances from Smudger there. So there was quite a lot in that midfield that probably deserved a place, but just trying to squeeze four in when you've got so many great memories from, from all of those players, um, just looking at that list again, then, uh, you know, they, they could have each gone in for their own right. No, nah, definitely. Excellent. Excellent. So we will go to where the money is earned. Number 10. The number 10. Is this okay, your hard so, one? Is this the one you've squeezed? No, no, I'm leaving the hard one no, till the end. Just try. Oh. Well, I shouldn't really have told you there was a hard one, should I? Because then you're going to be thinking outside the box. So this, this player, um, he was, this is the one that sneaked in because he made exactly 40 appearances right. um, that I'd seen. Okay. So I, I've seen all 40 of his appearances for the club. Um, he scored three goals for Luton. As a number ten. Well, this is I've, I've played a little was bit. It, of it, I need I needed to for get the ranks. The three come for the ranks. No, Ooh, I'm more thinking as a number ten scoring three goals. I know oh. that. I know number tens are there to play, mate. But that's let's, ridiculous. Let's yeah, just but, say he's no, probably not what you would class as a number ten. I, you could say I'm playing a five in midfield, and he's the attacking, free flowing, right. go where he likes, because he's got Kino and Nico behind him. He's got the two wingers, so he's sort of. Okay. You're almost saying that it's Nico and Keenan as two defensive midfielders and then the three in front of them. So if you want to argue, it's a 4-2-3-1. Okay. Is oh. it free transfer? No. So he came through the club? No. <laughs> oh, he's a lone player then. That's why he hit just 40 goals. <laughs> yes, lone player. Well done, Andrew. He only scored three goals because I was yeah. going to go... No, because he scored a lot in his second. I remember Rowan Vine didn't score a lot. In his first oh, season, he more than three goals. Yeah, I know. That's what I was about to say. But in his second season, when we signed him, he scored a lot of goals. But I remember his first season, that title-winning one. He didn't score many but goals, like, did he? But there's another this question is, for Simon: Is is this is, is he a midfielder? More, that's what I say. Is he more of a midfielder being pushed up or a striker yeah. being pulled back? No, it's more he's, of a midfielder. He's a midfielder that's fine. Yeah. So as I say, yeah. I probably need to correct the formation I gave at the beginning. You're probably talking. He's in the attacking midfield three. Right. On loan. 
So, yeah, look, looking back on it, yeah, I'm probably playing the two defensive midfielders and then the three ahead of them. Because that also one. allows the wing backs I, to push I, I, as well. I mean, I, this could have been the one he could have said he struggled with. I'm, I'm going to struggle with this one. Um, he was on loan. You're not, he won't tell us which club, because that would be too obvious. No, it would be too obvious. Yeah. Um, is he still playing today? Yes. In fact, oh. you could say he's probably only... His career is now at its best point. Oh, not um, you got it, Andrew. Your team, your son's team. Oh, good shout! <laughs> Great shout, Marvin. Keen and Dewsbury Hall. Exactly. What well yes. a Marv! That's an amazing <laughs> shout. I was thinking, yeah. what I was going way back. I was going no, Chris no, Martin no, no. and people like that. No, I thought. I, just because of the way he played in that season, he just oh. stands out. And I didn't want really to put loan players in because, you know, as Nathan says, we bring loan players in, develop them, they go off and perform for other clubs. But when you can get a player like that calibre in for mm. a season and can perform, um, he was one that, you know, when I was looking at how I was lining up and what I was doing, I just felt I needed somebody to give that little bit of attacking through the centre without it being necessarily a front two. And when I come to my forwards, I, I've picked one for a reason, but there were a lot of notable um, that I could have picked as well. So in the end, I went, no, I'm going to keep this one. And then I want that attacking midfielder behind. OK, so what was what was so good about him? I mean, to play to come as a number 10. I, um, I mean, there's so many players you could play in that position that Luton have had. Just his skill on the ball and his vision and what we're seeing now, you know, it's, he's built up and obviously he'd, he'd, he'd done well at Blackpool on loan, but he hadn't created the name for himself that he did while he was at Luton. Um, and I think the way that we've shown that we can progress a player that is now a regular in the um, Leicester starting 11, he's scored in Europe, he's had an assist in the Premier League, he's got close to scoring. And I just think the quality that was there albeit it was only a year. And I did I did take a long time over this one because, as I said, I, I didn't want to be putting a lone player in when we'd got, excuse me, quality players of our own right um, in, in, the, in the team and in the, the players that I've seen. But just him on the ball and the way he played, and he was so consistent and you could see he'd got the skill um, that he was going to progress and was going to develop. Um, a real shame it's not a Luton, but, you know, just clearly... Um, he is. He has got Premier League quality to be able to be, you know, plying his trade there week in, week out. And you know, I wish him every success um, there because. He, and again, another real genuine, down to earth. He, you, you don't want to sound disrespectful, but sometimes with the player, uh, the Premier League players, they've got this ego and they've got this sort of attitude, and they, uh, you know, and he hadn't got that at all. He was just so much. And the fact that he's come back to Luton to watch a game and to receive a trophy for player of the season award that he's done that this year just shows what the club meant to him. And I think if somebody yeah. can settle into the club and have that much for feeling, I notice he's even tweeted about Luton as well. Um, you know, I just felt that all in all, he was a, a quality player to, to have in my team. And, um, you know, it was great to have him for a season, but that's with no disrespect to those players that I didn't pick that were our own players, so to speak, um, that could have equally gone into that position. Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I saw a bit of him as well um, in that year. And I think I know, like you, you've quoted that Nathan says, "Oh, you're developing like other teams' players." But for me, I mean, 
it speaks volumes because in this day and age, you know, you still have those egos where you have some players who are at the um, premiership clubs who feel it's a little bit um, beneath them to go out on loan and try and play their trade. But for the moment when he came to Luton, I mean, especially when, I mean, I saw quite a few games of his games. He looked the one person who just seemed to have that more time than anyone else. He didn't seem rushed, didn't seem panic. And he had that quality where you thought, you looked at him and you're thinking, well, you know what? He can play at a higher level, which was the premiership. And I think if he didn't obviously play his trade with us and play, he, he probably, probably still would have got into the lesser team, but not as probably as, as early as he might have done. I think he gave him the confidence. We gave him the confidence to go back and say, hey, do you know what? I can now force myself into this lesser team, which he has done. Fantastic, I think. Just shows, you know, the quality that he'd got that he can then go into a Premier League team the season after. Yeah. I mean, you say he's got three goals. Um, Assist-wise, he must be quite... He must have put on a lot of assists. Or was he more, in your mind, was he more just a connector? And he eventually became the person who they put three players on. So sometimes the best yeah. players are actually the ones that everybody marks and it means that everybody else around them can play. It creates the space for others, doesn't it? Yeah. His passing ability, you know, it wasn't all about the goals. Once he did score, obviously, cracking one against, um, I think he, he did actually score against Bristol City, didn't he, that season against Bournemouth, Bournemouth um, one, the, yeah. the winner down at the Vitality. So, yeah, um, you know, it just just quality player. Fantastic. So, we got on number 10. Who is going to be the out-and-out striker? So, th- this one's the hard one. Um, I don't think he will appear in any other of your best 11s with no disrespect to the player. Um, There are obviously numerous forwards that you could choose from. Um, This particular player only played one season for us again. Um, 46 games, 12 goals, uh, another free transfer. And the only other clue I will give to this one is this is one of those on my memories criteria. One season. Yeah. But it was a free transfer, not a loan. Yeah, free transfer. How many 12 seasons? goals. 12 goals. 12 goals. In 46 appearances. Yeah. I'm going back to... Yes. Oh. How many did games he, did, did Andre... He, did he play... Go on in. I was going to say, did he, for, did he play for a London club as well? Uh, oh, now you're testing me. I'm trying to remember exactly who else he has played for because he's he just... I think he played more than one season, Marv. Um, no, not 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 a London. No, no not not no. known. Did Andre he... Gray scored fifty-seven goals in one hundred and eleven games, so he was on my list. But again, by pulling on a shirt of the yellow colour, and after goals. what and after what he did after the the um, James Collins goal, yeah, <laughs> twelve goals. Yeah. Is he now? Is he a striker? Yes. Yeah, he plays as a striker. Yeah, it's a lot of games. 46 games and only 12 goals. Just looking at his career, it doesn't look like anybody ever paid money for him. Oh, this is this is hard. Is it, this is going to be hard. I mean, I, I mean... So, it was in the one, conference era. Yeah. See? It's the oh. one season that throws me. Ah, oh, what's the... I'm trying to think of players, because we, we paid money for Barnes Homer. We paid money for John Shaw in that era. So I think. Free transfer. I think. Yeah. We did, yeah, and they were there for. Mm. He's looking at me going, hmm, it could be Barnes Homer. No, we know we paid money for him. No. I mean, I, I, I think this is like, what year What year is this now? So the year does give it quite a clue. It does. Okay, don't say then. So, I mean, the, the season. Andrew, 
Andrew would probably get it more from Matt Glue. I don't know if I'd get it from like goals. The manager goals. at the time was a good mate of yours, Marv. Mick. No. No, Paul Buckle. Yeah. Fleetwood was around for longer than that, wasn't he? Yeah, Stuart no. Fleetwood scored yeah. 27 goals in 88 just, games. Yeah. yeah, he played a few seasons. It's the one season. One season, 46 games, yeah. 12 goals. But a player who we signed. I mean, he was there for more than one season now, I'm trying to think. Free transfer. You're looking at someone is like probably, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be a kid. No. I'm trying to think mature, of all those. Mature, like, um, what's his name? The guy who was at... What, Craig McHale-Smith? Who? You're thinking of McHale-Smith here. No, 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 no. He scored goals for fun, this guy. But I would have thought he was scored more goals than 12 in the season. I can't think of his name now. Yes, I think Simon was right. He knew we were going to struggle on this one. As I say, it won't, it won't appear in anybody else's 11, but focus on the criteria that I said memories. I know, but about moments, goals, games... We've even touched on the match. Yeah, I know. I don't think I, I mean, I don't think I'd get it. Andrew might get him. I don't think I'd get him. Andrew would probably get him. We've touched even if on the match. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's the, um, a game against um, York. You're not going to stick Walker in, are you? I was going to say. What? No. <laughs> no. I was going to say. <laughs> after this little sign he held up. Yeah. No. He, he, he certainly wasn't on the uh, noticeable notable absentees list either. But he was around that number of games. He must have been around that number of games. Yeah, it was after him. It was after him, see? One game, I mean, one season, 12 goals. Right, more clues. No one's paid money for him. No, just I'm just looking on the stats on a website and it looks as though he's, he's never been sold for money. He's always been... A free. Free or released, yeah. What's the guy who was who scored goals for fun in the non-league, lower division, non was at, oh, I thought he played for more than one season. I thought he was there for more than one season. The guy I've been through him. loads. This is the no, thing. I've gone through Andre Gray, Tom Craddock, John no, Shaw, Barnsheimer, no, Brian Sharp, no, Brian Charles going through the youth academy. No, there's another, there's another one, a striker, but I thought he, he, and he wasn't free, but like he, tall, like slim, like oh, Andrew, come on. <laughs> I've rattled off. Is, is it, he, well, he, he played for one season. He left at the beginning of the following season. Through his choice? Uh, no, I don't think so. Did, okay. Oh, oh what's oh, He scored. Yes. He scored, um, he scored, he scored in the. Oh, was Norwich. he there for one season? Scott Rendell. Yeah. Yes, Scott yes. Rendell. Was he there for yes, one yeah. year? Now I just suddenly yeah. cottoned on. It was a Norwich game, yeah. Norwich, yeah. Scott Rendell. Yeah. Great, great goal. I was going to say. For the, for the goal against Norwich, I mean, just as, as memories go, <laughs> the, the non-league beating Premier League, you know, there can't be many matches in the times that I've been watching Luton that there's a, a bigger upset, um, you know, stole the headlines. And, uh, you know, that was it's a team game, obviously, but just for the memories of him netting that winner. Um, and I was on the, the opposite side of the ground to all the Luton fans. So there's a video on YouTube that you can see I'm shaking as I'm filming it, but all the Luton fans singing and celebrating at the final whistle. Um, I lived up in that, uh, not far from Norwich. and Again, Norwich fans that I knew, but just the whole occasion for a non-league team to win at a Premier League team. 
Um, it's up there, as I said earlier, with one of my best commentary matches. Um, and Scott scored the goal, albeit great teamwork. Stuart Fleetwood, JJ O'Donnell down the left, great defensive work, um, a team game. But, you know, that, that goal... The, the memories of that are just uh, excellent. Yeah, no, now now it makes mm. total and utter sense. Um, so you picked Scott Scott Rendell up there. Um, yeah, he wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. No. Um, <laughs> so you said you had a few honourable mentions. Who would be your honourable mentions and why? Because yeah, obviously so- you don't have a massive list. No, there's there's several in there for different reasons. Um, you know, again. As I said at the beginning, I tried to freshen things up, but try and did a little bit different with memories of of players. And and that's why Scott was in there, because as goals go, you know, that's one that is up there for me. I don't Um, reckon it's undersold. I I do think it's undersold. And I think maybe you look at Bradford fans talking about Chelsea game. I saw it on social media a few days ago. Um, And I can't help but feel that because it was Luton and we were still seen as a a big-ish club, yeah. And we were down in non-league. It wasn't seen as a non-league versus Premier League. It was seen as Luton versus a Premier League or Luton brackets conference. Do you know what I mean? Or it felt a bit like that. I don't think it's ever given the same because no club's ever done it. No comp, no non-league team has ever knocked a Premier League team out, especially away from home. No, I mean that that was just incredible. So you know that that's why it was in there. But on that, on noticeable others, um, James Collins obviously scoring the penalty against um, Watford. Um, the other season, last season, to, to win that game, you know, and what he did for us coming through from League Two to the Championship. Um, Stuart Fleetwood, you touched on. I mean, he's he's in there because he actually, he scored. He's still got the record um, for scoring in 23 games and we didn't lose one of them. And nobody has done that, um, has matched that yet. So in, in every basically in every game he scored, we either won or draw. And that was a total of 23 matches. Um, I also mentioned back along where we were talking about other players that he did some co-commentary with me and he'd requested to do that, which was great that a player was actually asking to come and to co-com with me. Um, and talking of that, Harry Cornick is in there um, because of his commentary with me for the George Moncur goal, um, you know, as much of his performance. And, and Harry actually is the player that I've seen come off the bench the most. So of all the substitutions that have been made in all my time watching Luton, Harry's the most common with 66 um, appearances at the time of broadcasting. So, uh, yeah, he, he's in there. But, you know, sitting with me for that commentary was just superb that night for George's goal. Um, Andre, obviously, we touched on. I mean, he scored the non-league goal at Wembley. I had the pleasure of doing a commentary at Wembley. But as we said earlier, such disappointment um, for the final result there. Uh, and of course, the goals he scored in non-league won't be forgotten, albeit what's happened since. Um, mm. you know, but the, the time he was with us, um, Danny Hilton is Danny Hilton. Um, you know, he's in there. Um, Tony Thorpe, another one, you know, superb for us in the early 90s. Um, and then obviously came back. And I remember when he came back on loan that he was a class above um, that league at the time. Uh, obviously issues with the way he left the club first time round. But, you know, you can't be denying 84 goals and 192 games, and mm. particularly in that 96-97 season. Um, the goal at Newcastle, albeit I wasn't there, but, you know, that's a great finish um, for your first goal. So, you know, that all of those players, and I know there'll be some in there that people will not even have wanted me to have mentioned, but let's look at what they did whilst they were at Luton Town and, you know, reasons that uh, grateful for what they did at the time. Um, but yeah, some some 
great players in there. And as I said, very difficult to pick them, but I tried to do something a little bit different and to bring back great memories um, for the ones that I selected. Fantastic. The last thing now you got to do is which manager, which Luton manager <laughs> is going to like manage that team? So again, just to be a little different, yes, I have picked a manager, but I've also picked a backroom team. So okay. um, it's, it's just really because, again, when you look at the stats and you look at the people that we've had at the club, and again, using my memories um, for what we've achieved, you know, obviously David Pleat would be in there, but, you know, I'd say I wasn't watching many games at that time, um, but he's obviously the, um, the longest serving manager with the games and everything. So I look at the stats. I'm a big lover of stats. I look at what we've achieved. I look at um, where we are now as a club and how we've got there. So uh, coming on to the manager, but first of all, um, I, well, you obviously need somebody doing youth development. And I think Marv would agree with me that somebody like John Moore is in that position for, you know, the experience that he brings. Um, I've got a director of football just because he deserves some area in the club. And that's John Still. Um, yeah. You know, 147 games in charge, champions of non-league, um, you know, to be promoted under him. You know, he he was a lot of the foundation as to where the club is now. Um, and, you know, I feel that he needs to be honoured in that way um, because, you know, a lot of where we are now has been down to him and the work that him and his team did to, to get us up. Um, the assistant manager, I couldn't pick him in my team because I had only seen him play seven times. He would have been an honourable mention in the, the forwards, but I've got him in my backroom staff. Um, it is, of course, the legend that's Big Mick. Um, you know, 12 wins from 20 games at the end of the 1890 season. Um, secured the League One title for us. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's involved in the club at the moment and he'd be involved in, in my um, backroom team as well. Um, but the manager, um, 257 matches as manager as it stands, 47% win ratio, first spell with us, 1.82 points in the league, the highest ever for a Luton manager. Um, currently overall in both spells, 1.67 points per game, which is only second best to Alan Brown on 1.74. He's the fourth longest serving manager as far as games is concerned behind um, Pleat, Dally Duncan and Harry Haslam. Um, secured promotion in 17-18, um, obviously started the 18-19 the League One campaign and then returned to keep us up in 2020. Um, it is, of course, Nathan Jones. Um, and, you know, I know that there's a lot of issues in the past. Hopefully that's all been put behind us now for those fans that still think about um, what happened. He's learned from it. We've got over it, hopefully. And, you know, where we are as a club at the moment, um, everybody's played a part. But certainly with the way the football, the recruitment, everything behind the scenes um, has just progressed and progressed under his leadership um, with the support of the board, of course, 2020. Um, continuing all the off-field things as well as the on-field. So, yeah, Nathan, Nathan is my manager. Um, so, you know, the, the memories that he's brought, the, the great memories of the promotions, the back-to-back -back promotions, and the survival on the final day against Blackburn. Everything. Good. Everything. Is. <laughs> Everything, yeah. <laughs> the whole, whole, excellent, excellent. Well, um, in terms of, you mentioned that this is a hobby. Um, not a lot, just tell us a bit about kind of, what you do in your day job and, and that type of thing in, in and how you, how you manage to juggle that with, with all the statistics and spreadsheets and, and everything that you keep alongside the commentary as well. I mean, it's no, 
it's, it's no easy thing to go all the way up to Carlisle on a Tuesday night whilst keeping a day job going as well. So just talk us through that and how you juggle it. Yeah, so I've always had to take holiday, obviously, for um, away trips, particularly the midweek ones. Um, so time off work. Thankfully, the positions that I've held over the years have been quite flexible and enabled me to do that. Uh, I currently work. I am a data analyst, which might come as no surprise to <laughs> those that know my love of spreadsheets. So um, I, I currently I'm doing um, I do student um, data. So statutory returns for a university with um, information on students and looking at that. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got the flexibility to be able to travel and it's tough at times with um, obviously, you know, long distances midweek. And but, you know, as anything in life, you, you choose to do that. And, you know, the, the experiences and the opportunities that I've had from it, um, like every fan, we've had the ups and the downs and you enjoy the, the ups and knowing that the, the downs, the cold nights traveling to Newport away when you got done 5-2 and Grimsby away 5-0 I remember years ago and you know they, you, you take everything don't you you can't just you can't predict what's going to happen in football and that's the love of it and that's why the passion and the enthusiasm is is there and you know you go to every game hoping for the best and hoping that the team put in as good a performance as they can and you come away from Bournemouth absolutely ecstatic and you come away from Sheffield United disappointed but as John still used to say never too high never too low um, I'm not sure I can always manage that because uh, sometimes it feels like uh, an absolute nightmare when we've lost and sometimes you get far too carried away uh, on a victory. But, uh, you know, it, 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 that's the life of a football fan. And I'm just very honoured and privileged to be able to, to have this hobby alongside um, the day job. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, it was lovely to hear from you. Thank you so much for giving up your time. And I know um, putting together some statistics and all those facts, it was uh, honestly... It was great to hear from you and um, myself and Marvin. I know all the, all the listeners, especially Luton fans, will love listening to this episode. So thank you very much, Simon. Um, we really, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you, Simon. It. Appreciate it. Thanks both. It's been great to be involved. Awesome. And that was Simon Pitts, my best eleven. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, you can subscribe at my best 11 pod and leave us a five-star rating you can find us on twitter and instagram at my best 11 pod email my best 11 pod at gmail.com